Before we begin, I want to ask you guys a question, and I would appreciate it if you commented your response down below. Who is the worst quarterback in the Big Ten so far? The two names that I would nominate would be Jeff Sims of Nebraska, who may or may not be starting due to Heinrich Harburg having a great performance against Northern Illinois, and Luke Altmeyer of Illinois would be the other name. If there is one thing, one thing regarding Penn State's defense that you cannot do is attack their defensive backs. That You cannot, under any circumstances, unless you are Michael Penix Jr. or Kyle McCord, and you have those phenomenal wide receiver cores. I wouldn't even put Quinn Ewers and Texas's offense up there. Penn State is one of the few schools in the country with elite defensive backs, not just this year, but in recent memory. Over the past half a decade, they have had NFL players who have had great, phenomenal college careers in those positions at corner, at safety. And Illinois decided to employ a balanced attack, and as punishment for that, Luke Altmeyer threw four interceptions. Some of those were bad one-on-one balls. Others, like his, I think, first or second interception that he threw right into Abdul Carter's hands, was he didn't see that he didn't see the white jerseys. Abdul Carter would make a great tight end. I bet that's what Luke Altmeyer thought. 15 of 28 for 163 yards and four interceptions. And he got benched, and in comes John Paddock, who previously played for the Ball State Cardinals and started there last year. And he went 10 of 16 for 129 yards and a touchdown. And he had a 150.9 passer rating. Yes, it was late in the fourth quarter against Penn State's backups. I don't know if he's actually a better quarterback than Altmeyer. Certainly Altmeyer is the better athlete, but my goodness. Illinois football couldn't run explosively, but they sure had some consistent plays. I think that if we saw more of Reggie Love the Third and of Josh McCray, and if Luke Altmeyer there were more design runs with him, this game could have went more so in Illinois' favor than it did, because Penn State's weakness on defense is defending the run. In fact, looking at last year under Manny Diaz and watching Penn State's first and only three games played thus far in 2023, I can confidently say their weakness is defending the run. And against teams that have athletes at quarterback and running back and against a good offensive line, West Virginia is a good example of those things. I'd say Ohio State, Michigan, and if Penn State were to face themselves, would be other teams that would be better than West Virginia in that department. But the Mountaineers were able to drive on Penn State using their ground game. Penn State's strength is defending the pass, not defending the run. In fact, there's a part of me that would argue that they're at points, pretty bad at defending the run. There are other times where they are decent or above average, but they are elite at defending the pass. Last year, they were number two in defensive passing efficiency. 
Like their passer rating allowed on defense was second in the nation, only behind Illinois, who had Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, and a great defensive coordinator in Ryan Walters. And over the Kansas game and the Penn State game, I know that Brett Bielema and his staff, they're missing Ryan Walters right now. Illinois' defense did a serviceable job against the Nittany Lions, but overall, Penn State had the much better quarterback in Drew Aller. He didn't complete 50% of his passes, but he took care of the football. And he made some pretty on-target throws that show he has elite potential. An example of this was his 33-yard pass to Liam Clifford, which put Penn State up by two scores entering halftime. That gave Penn State a 16-7 lead instead of a 13-7 lead. And that's important because in the third quarter, Luke Altmeyer was able to put together some decent throws and Illinois was in the driver's seat, about to make it 14-16 in favor of the Nittany Lions. If that field goal and that play by Aller before half doesn't happen, let's say he overthrows Liam Clifford or underthrows Liam Clifford and it's picked off, and if Luke Altmeyer doesn't throw, once again, another bone boneheaded red zone interception, Illinois could have taken the lead, and we'd be talking about a different ballgame. Now, that's hypotheticals. That would have taken a lot to happen, but that shows that Penn State has the better players, and Penn State didn't play an elite game, and yet they still won by 17 points. What they did, in my mind, on the road, while not world-beater, is impressive. It's what you want to see if you're a Penn State fan. Your quarterback is on the road, the Illinois defensive line, specifically Jerzon Newton, is at times manhandling your offensive line. It's hard to run the football. Drew Aller is getting pressured. He's uncomfortable. He doesn't turn over the football. He had one play that I can remember where he nearly turned over the football, but he was very careful of the throws he attempted. He wasn't a checkdown quarterback where he just looked at his first read and stared him down. He observed the field, was very strategic, and he made some very intelligent improvised scrambles to keep Penn State driving and keep the offense moving. And for the defense, Abdul Carter read Luke Altmeyer like a book, and Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, and Cam Miller each got an interception as well. And those are all really good players. Penn State's linebackers and defensive backs are elite their defensive ends are near elite to elite. The only concern, but we already know this, was the defensive tackles. And not only did Illinois not attack them enough, but Illinois' offensive line isn't great all around. In fact, they've been disappointing this season relative to my preseason expectations, and I think the national expectations. And therefore, Penn State's defensive ends and linebackers and corners were able to help with stopping the run, especially on blitzes. And they were able to help get to Luke Altmeyer and make him uncomfortable and cause him to make some mistakes. Manny Diaz's defense had a great showing, a great showing. And something about defensive coordinators like Manny Diaz who love to blitz and like to get creative with blitzing and who love to play man ball. 
which, like Don Brown at Michigan and like Jim Knowles at Ohio State, it's very boomer bust. It can sometimes bite you right in the butt. You have these very high moments, tons of takeaways, sacks, defensive touchdowns, and then there are other moments where you get burned deep, you give up a long run play, etc. I know this is a Michigan fan. I watched Don Brown's defense. It was very painful. And as a Michigan fan watching Jim Knowles' defense in 2022 in his first year with Ohio State, there were several moments where they gave up big plays to Michigan and Penn State alike due to their heavy use of man coverage, zero blitzes, and just the aggressive nature of the defense. But this was a game where Penn State's defense and that aggression was put to good use because they forced mistakes, they got pressure. At the end of the day, Illinois did not even run for three yards per carry. They only averaged 2.1 yards per carry on the ground with one rushing touchdown. In retrospect, and looking at statistics and considering how these teams were performing before Penn State took a large lead in the game, I think when they took a 23-7 lead, that's really when it was out of reach for Illinois, and then that 30-7 lead when Nicholas Singleton had a 16-yard touchdown run, that was game over. And after that, Penn State, they were able to you know, impress statistically with their rushing yards, and they sacked John Paddock a few times. And at the end of the day, I would say that Illinois, their statistics on the ground are underrated. Penn State's, I would say, are overrated. They struggled running the football. 40 carries, 164 yards. They averaged 4.1 yards per carry and had two rushing touchdowns. But for the entire first half, for much of the third quarter, and for even parts of the fourth quarter, they struggled to run. At the end of the first quarter, I remember Penn State only had single-digit rushing yards. But then after that, they, they just kept working. They stuck with it. This is where I am going to give offensive coordinator Mike Yersich credit. Penn State stuck with the run game, especially toward the end. They began to lean on the ground, and they eventually broke Illinois' will. And that's the classic Big Ten way to win. And the running back... Katron Allen, I think, embodies this the most. He's a pacemaker, but he's also a bruiser. He's not explosive. He's not speed and space. He's not flashy. He's not going to get Saquon Barkley comparisons like Nicholas Singleton is. But as of now, he is the better running back. And maybe that's even an overstatement, and he's not the better running back. If you think I'm wrong, comment down below, and we'll have a discussion about that. But... He certainly fits better with Penn State's offense, and I think with their offensive line. I think Penn State's interior offensive line is not strong. And Olufashanu, elite player, I still think, number one offensive line prospect by everyone for the 2024 NFL Draft. But Jerzon Newton, who's also an elite prospect, Jerzon Newton was bullying him in the entire offensive line. And while Jerzon Newton will probably be the best defensive tackle that Penn State plays all season long, Michigan and Ohio State have deeper defensive tackle rooms. And whether it's Mike Hall or Tyleek Williams or Ty Hamilton for Ohio State, and 
Ohio State, Michigan also have better edge rushers. They have way better defensive lines than Illinois does. You need a running back who can be hit behind the line of scrimmage or right at the line of scrimmage and fall forward or power forward for one, two, three, four, in some cases, five yards. And Catron Allen can do that. He had 13 attempts for 54 yards and one touchdown. No, it's not a elite, eye-popping, Heisman candidacy-worthy statistic, but it's important because Catron Allen right now is leading Penn State in rushing attempts with 42 rushing and rushing yards with 208. He's leading the Nittany Lions there. I would have thought that Nicholas Singleton would at least be leading in total yards. I had Catron Allen leading in my some of my preseason projections in carries, but I thought that Nicholas Singleton, with his capabilities of getting open and being a home run hitter, would mean he would have more total yards, but that's not the case. Catron Allen is also averaging more yards per carry. For all intents and purposes right now, outside of total touchdowns, he is the more productive running back. He's averaging 5 yards per carry. Singleton is only averaging 4.3. And Singleton's touchdown came late in the game after Penn State was up by 16 points, at which point, I would argue, Penn State already won. They could have won 23-13, to and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have done anything. Malik Elzey's 19-yard pass from John Paddock with the failed two-point conversion, that was too late. At that point, by the time that Illinois scored those six points, the game was over. You don't even need Nicholas Singleton's 16-yard run. So that's why I gave player of the game to Catron Allen. I think that there's an argument in my mind for Drew Aller to also have this honor. Aller went 16 of 33 for 208 yards, and I think ESPN's quarterback efficiency rating might have underrated him here. They gave him a 66.6 rating. Now, he had a lot of rough throws, overthrows. He had one play similar to one that he had against West Virginia where he almost threw it to the defensive back, practically. But he didn't have a turnover at the end of the day. He had some good scrambles. And again, you have to factor in supporting cast. And Penn State, in comparison to the two the next two schools who are going to be competing with them for the Big Ten, Penn State has a worse wide receiver core and a worse offensive line than Ohio State and Michigan do, plain and simple. Tight end, I think we're going to have to figure it out, but I think that Cade Stover is better than both of Penn State's tight ends right now, though I could be wrong, and I'd probably say the same for at least Michigan's tight end room. I don't know if Colston Loveland as an individual player is better than Theo Johnson or Tyler Warren, but I'd lean towards saying yes. And for running backs, in preseason I had Ohio State and Michigan with better running back rooms, and I think that's holding true right now. Drew Aller does not have the same supporting cast as McCarthy and McCord do. McCarthy had a terrible night against Bowling Green, and Kyle McCord had a a lot of questionable throws, and he had a questionable performance against Indiana, which I said in my reaction video to Ohio State, I'm putting behind me. I'm bringing all these things up to say that Aller right now does not have any turnovers. He's completing a large per 
percentage of his passes, 67%. He's thrown for nearly 800 yards. He's averaging 8.4 yards per pass attempt. He has four passing touchdowns. He's been sacked twice. He has 52 rushing yards on 15 carries, one rushing touchdown, and he has a 152.4 passer rating. And he has a 78.1 quarterback efficiency rating, which makes him the 25th best quarterback in college football, according to ESPN efficiency metrics. This is his first year starting. This was his first ever road start. Having this performance now is impressive in that regard, and he's getting his struggles out of the way. So that when he goes on the road against Ohio State, or... In the whiteout, I know the crowd won't be against him, but that's still going to be a loud environment, and he will face a defense, Aller will, that is far superior to what Illinois offered up this past Saturday. That will give him more poise, more confidence, and it's work, it's reps. The only way you improve at something is by doing it over and over again and learning from your mistakes and analyzing your game and having the maturity to execute and be disciplined. And if Aller does all of those things, then this game can serve as a catalyst for where he really begins to bring what we saw against West Virginia to other games when he's facing Big Ten competition. Doing what he did against West Virginia is fantastic. It's good. He looked very impressive. In that lone game, In my mind, it wasn't even an overreaction to say that he was going to be likely better than I expected him to be in the preseason, or at least he would have better potential than I thought he would. We'll see if he's actually a better quarterback compared to my preseason expectations at the end of the season. But what would be better for Penn State, and what Penn State and James Franklin need to see if they have a shot at winning the Big Ten this year or next year, is they need to see that 325 passing yards on 29 attempts with three touchdown passes and a 200 passer rating, they need to see that replicated against, if if he does it against Iowa or Ohio State or Michigan, which it's doubtful, but if he comes close to that, that's championship-level play against near-elite and elite teams, or at least, in Iowa's case, a near-elite to elite defense. So... More consistency comes with reps and him hitting his ceiling and avoiding his floor. That also comes with more repetitions and more starts. So in regards to Drew Aller, I thought that he took care of the football well. We'll talk a little bit about him and Penn State more in a few minutes. But before we do, I want to touch on Illinois. First and foremost, Luke Altmaier is not fit to be a starting Big Ten quarterback. He isn't. Um, When you throw... One-on-one coverage to Penn State's defensive backs, which really is being disrespectful to that entire defense. That's their strength. That's a known for anyone who watches college football. He, I don't know what he was doing, honestly. 15 of 28 for 163 yards and four touchdowns. And he wasn't keen on scrambling. He had four carries for six yards, averaged one and a half yards per carry. And he was sacked three times. Yet again, there were several plays where there could have been a run drawn up for him, or he could have taken off and scrambled. But he doesn't have great awareness. His arm strength 
and overall his passing ability, I would call into question, more so than his arm strength, his accuracy and his ball placement, like who he, his decision making, who he wants to throw to, and how his mind interprets that to his muscles, because he's not accurate, plain and simple. And when you turn over the football five times, and you're responsible for four of those turnovers, I forget if he was responsible or not for the fifth, but I think, it, yeah, his it was his running back, I believe, who, yeah, it was his running back who fumbled. Um, It's not good. It's not good whatsoever. There were several drives that would have materialized in flipping the field to give Illinois a shot to force Penn State to punt or force Penn State maybe into a turnover situation which gives Illinois the ball in the red zone. And there were some other drives which could have materialized into points scored, into a field goal or into a touchdown. And instead, Altmeyer threw the football to Penn State's defense. And the Nittany Lion defense is opportunistic. They have great coverage. They also have great hands. So throwing it to them is begging for a turnover that goes against you. Ultimately, Altmeyer is benched. I don't know if he will be benched for the rest of the season, if he'll be competing with John Paddock for the starting quarterback job. Paddock went 10 of 16 for 129 yards and a touchdown. I know that he didn't play the same players, or if he played the same players, they didn't have the same energy compared to the parts of the roster and the players that Altmeyer matched up against. But he had a much better performance. He was a more efficient quarterback, according to ESPN's quarterback rating system. And I think that there should be competition opened up. Competition always makes players better. It always makes people better, as long as it's friendly and as long as it's fair. You see that in the personal world, the business world, and you see it in college football. Illinois is physical, but they're slow. You saw this toward the end of the game. Nicholas Singleton didn't break out for any big gain or big run like I thought he would. He didn't. His longest carry was 16. In that regard, I was impressed with Illinois' defense. However, the more I look back on this game, Penn State was uninterested. They were clearly not playing their A-plus game. I don't think they were playing a C game either, though, because there were moments where they were trying, where they came up with some beautifully drawn plays, and where they were doing all they could to pull away. And Illinois just kept hanging around. Illinois was able to drive on them, get a touchdown, and Penn State wasn't, they weren't interested in this game per se, but Illinois was still able to to challenge them, and Illinois wasn't playing their A-plus game either, obviously as shown by the five turnovers. They didn't really look like a Brett Bielema team, if I'm being honest, but they're slow. They're slow, and despite being slow, their physicality allowed them to limit Penn State's offense in particular on defense. They were able to pressure Aller. They were able to hold their water at the point of attack. And because Penn State's offensive line has, in my opinion, some players who would be in the bottom half of Big Ten offensive line players, particularly on the interior, 
Penn State couldn't develop explosive runs. They had to take what they could get because they were likely never going to have that 75-yard breakaway run, not against a defense with Jerzon Newton and against a defense that, look, Illinois' defense was not aggressive like Penn State's defense. They did not want to allow the big play. That's what was shocking about Drew Aller's 33-yard completion to Liam Clifford is Illinois didn't give up a play that big practically all day. And then right before halftime, in a tight situation, Aller made that amazing throw. So this defense, and really the team as a whole, has a lot of potential. Because I'd argue the offense is the same way. The offense does not have insane athletes, but they do have physical players. Isaiah Williams, for example, big big yards after contact guy. Very smart player, good route runner, and he loves contact, and he will drag you for a first down. And then Illinois' running backs are bruising backs, whether it's Reggie Love the Third or Josh McRae. They are not home run hitters. The physicality is great, but if Illinois and Brett B. Lamo want to take the Illini to the next level, they need faster players, whether it's on offense, whether it's on defense. The more you have, as long as you can keep the physicality, the better. And Jerzon Newton is elite. He was the reason why this defense was doing so well against the run, why they blocked the lone field goal that Penn State missed, and he was causing so much disruption, so much in the backfield for Penn State. Illinois defensively had one sack and four tackles for loss, and Jerzon Newton had one tackle for loss, two passes defended, and six total tackles. But that is really underrepresenting his performance. It is. He had so many more quarterback pressures. He had a blocked field goal, two tipped passes, passes that likely would have been completed. And Jerzon Newton was responsible for giving his offense a few more drives to attempt to make this a contest in the third and fourth quarter. But unfortunately, if you're an Illinois fan or if you're Brett Bielema and a teammate of Jerzon Newton, that could never materialize because Penn State was just the better football team. Plain and simple. Outside of defensive tackle, the defense is intense, physical, elite, athletic, anything you could want. Chop Robinson's a great defensive end. Same with Adisa Isaac. Abdul Carter is an elite linebacker. And a defensive back, whether it's Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, especially Kalen King, and many others there, like Keaton Ellis, Saki Wheatley, they have depth, they have athleticism, they have one of the highest ceilings for the defensive back position in college football, and the offense was able to get nearly 400 total yards, they had three touchdowns, Penn State finally found their kicker as well, that's something that I wanted to talk about for at least a few seconds. Their starting kicker, whose name I forget, Um, He missed two field goals against West Virginia, and Penn State's special teams unit in that game along with the kicking position did not look good. Well, now Penn State has Alex Falcons, who was accurate from 45. He was 3 of 4 against the Illini, and he was 3 of 3 on extra points. And right now he's hitting 80% of his field goals with a long of 45. He's a senior from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he has 26 points. 
and he completed nearly 70% of his field goals at his previous college, Columbia. So we'll see how Penn State's special teams unit does for the rest of the year, but they found their kicker, and that's very important, especially with this type of offense, who I don't think with the offensive line and also with a new quarterback in Drew Aller, they're not going to be the most efficient offense in the red zone. I don't think that's going to happen. That won't be the case. So having a good kicker who can get you points and who can also hit it from long range is very important because that can help you, especially against a team like, let's say, Iowa. Iowa will not, in all likelihood, allow 40 or even in the high 30s of points. That could be a rock fight. And good kickers are important for keeping you in games where maybe you're having a rough time. Look at Jake Moody keeping Michigan in the game against TCU or helping Michigan get points early against Ohio State in 2022 when the Buckeyes clearly played the better first half. Having a good clutch kicker is very underrated, and I think that Penn State has one. Drew Aller, speaking of clutch and speaking of you know, keeping teams in games. He's a very good quarterback, and he has elite potential. And I think that him not turning over the ball against a solid defense, not an elite defense, but a defense that came to play and that was very disruptive, That's that impressed me. No, he wasn't a world beater at quarterback, and I think that some of the people who came out in Week 1 in week two, who thought that he was going to be an elite quarterback or a Heisman, I think that that, rightfully so after this game, has calmed down because he didn't have a great game. He had an above average to good game, but he didn't turn over the football. And you saw flashes of his potential. Like, he's not a fast scrambler, but he is a powerful scrambler. He can power forward and truck you for a first down. He can make the perfect throw and put it right in the breadbasket, like he did with Liam Clifford to put his team in a position to go up by two scores at half instead of just being up by six. And speaking of that, if he, if he had better wide receivers, statistically, he would be more impressive. One of Penn State's weaknesses that James Franklin talked about in the preseason was wide receiver. And it's been tradition of Penn State whether it's K.J. Hamler, Jahan Dotson, there are other names that you know I could name off, but those, I'd say, in my mind, are, what, are who I'm thinking of. Parker Washington was good. And all in all, Penn State, I don't think, has that guy this year. Keandre Lambert-Smith is good. I think he has great potential. But this wide receiver core is a weakness for the offense. It just is. And we'll have to see how it develops throughout the year. Keandre Lambert-Smith did have a great game against West Virginia and a good performance as well against Delaware. And he's a good wide receiver. But Nicholas Singleton led Penn State in receiving against Illinois. He had 49 receiving yards. The next leading receiver was Tyler Warren, who had 35 receiving yards. Keandre Lambert-Smith had 23. He has 13 receptions for 220 yards, two touchdowns, and he averages 16.9 yards per reception on the year. And he will face Iowa, Michigan, 
Ohio State, three schools that have much better defenses than any defense Penn State has played in their first three games. And the same goes with Aller, Singleton, Catron Allen, Tyler Warren, and Theo Johnson. So there are concerns, but there are also reasons for optimism in regards to Penn State. In my mind, they did they performed pretty similarly to how I expected Penn State to perform. Illinois did perform worse. I did not expect them to turn the football over five times. That's uncharacteristic for Brett Bielema. But now, for Penn State, it's time to return home and face the Iowa Hawkeyes in Penn State's whiteout game. Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to shout out my Patreon supporters, Spencer Bringhurst, my All-American, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description, and also make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and comment your thoughts reacting to this game down below. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.